the residence of Varuna, from there to Vibhavari, the residence of the moon god, and from there again to the residence of Indra. In a similar way, the moon along with other stars and planets becomes visible in the celestial sphere and then sets and again becomes invisible. In Bhagavad Gita 10.21, Krishna says, Nakshatranam aham shashi, as stars I am the moon. This indicates that the moon is similar to the other stars. The Vedic literature informs us that within this universe there is one sun which is moving. The Western theory that all the luminaries in the sky are different suns is not confirmed in the Vedic literature. Nor can we assume that these luminaries are the suns of other universes, for each universe is covered by various layers of material elements, and therefore, although universes are clustered together, we cannot see from one universe to another. In other words, whatever we see is within this one universe. In each universe, there is one Lord Brahma, and there are other demigods and other planets, but there is only one sun. Let's take one more verse. Twelve. Evam mahute na chatus trimsalaksha yojana nyasta sapadikani sauroratas traimayo sau. Sun God travels 27 million miles, 206 
1,400 miles water speed. I think it's impossible to uh, achieve that speed uh, through uh, whatever science we have today or uh, the science likely to evolve in the next, you know, for, uh, for any length of time.
So we find that in the previous verse, uh, the the movement of the sun was indicated. The sun travels from Devadhani, that is the residence of Indra or Devadham. You can see on the eastern side the residence of Indra, and that uh, residence is shown as Manasotara mountain range. And from there to Samyami. Samyami is on the southern side. Same on the same mountain range. Then the residence of Yamaraj. So the residence of uh, Yamaraj, Samyami residence of Yamaraj, the southern side. Then it travels in uh, 15 vertical and 6 hours. So from Indra to southern side uh, Yamaraj, it travels in 6 hours. Then in this verse, from the residence of Yamaraj, the residence of the sun travels to Nimlochani. So the Nimlochani is on the western side, the residence of Varuna. From there to uh, Vibhavari, Vibhavari is on the north side. So uh, Vibhavari is the residence of moon god and from there again to the residence of Indra. So back to once again the residence of Indra. So in a similar way, the moon along with other stars and planets becomes visible in the celestial sphere and then sets and again becomes invisible. So I was trying to read uh, this part and I was lost for a while because uh, we find that the movement of the sun is indicated along the uh, this mountain which is a Manasotra mountain and the residences of Moon, uh, Indra, Yamaraj and uh, Varuna are indicated on this Manasotra mountain. But equally you find that uh, the residences of these uh, Devatas are also shown on Mount Nil. I don't know anyone has seen that. So you find both on Manasotra uh, mountain range and uh, on Mount Meru. So I thought, here and there, is it the same or is it different? Am I having a difficulty in understanding? So then I gave a call to Gangeshan Prabhu. I said, Prabhu, uh, I find that there are two residences here and what are they? Are they the same or are they different? Then uh, Gangeshan Prabhu gave me a beautiful analogy. He said that it's like the member of parliament, uh, somebody representing Victoria. So he has a residence here in Victoria, but he also stays in Canberra. So when the parliament is in session. So therefore, just because he is in Canberra does not mean that he does not have his influence on Victoria because his, his abode is here. So similarly, the Indra, Chandra, they're all having their Residence on Mount Meru, at the same time, they are also located on uh, the Manasatana mountain. So I said, okay, so, that, so, we, so that's how the, uh, the sun god is moving along the Manasatana mountain. And we find that uh, maybe the next verse, the following verse, it says that the, he, the sun god has got uh, he moves on one single wheel chariot and the axle 
of the chariot, one end of the axle is on Mount Meru. And the wheel itself is moving on the Mount Sokara mountain. So one end of the axle is on Mount Meru and the other end where the wheel is, the wheel is moving on Mount Sokara mountain. And the distance between Mount Meru and Manasantara mountain is 202,800,000 miles. So normally uh, we are used to seeing uh, an axle maybe in a truck uh, some 6 feet, 8 feet, it's a bigger truck. Otherwise normally 3 feet or 4 feet uh, axle. But here the axle being spoken is 202 million and 800,000 miles. That huge uh, axle on which the sun chariot uh, is moving. And the wheel itself is on Mansatara mountain. And according to Sridhar Swami, the Mansatara mountain is only, uh, I think, some 10,000 years and comes late from. Uh, but the wheel is moving over uh, 600,000 uh, or 60,000 yojanas height. So it means there is a gap of 50,000 yojanas and the 50,000 yojanas is made up of some uh, flat, the flattened Manasatra mountain because of the wheel. And on that the uh, wheel is moving. And so that, that's how the sun chariot is moving. Now all this is uh, what Sukadeva Goswami has heard uh, from his uh, teachers. And therefore, Prabhupada in his book is challenging that the Vedic literature informs us that this universe there is only one sun which is moving. The Western theory, which also includes uh, Eastern theory because we all have studied the same uh, science. That within uh, all theory, that all the luminaries in the sky are different suns is not confirmed in the Vedic literature. So we find that the uh, the concept of the universe, as explained to us in schools, colleges, and universities, is being challenged by uh, what is presented in uh, Vedic literature. Because in uh, science, we say that every star by itself is a sun. It's not that it's receiving the light from the sun, but it itself is generating the light and heat, and therefore it's like a sun. But it looks like a star uh, because of the distance. Because I think if I remember well, the closest star is some four light years or four some light years is some distance there. So because of that farthest distance, Although it is much bigger than sun, but still it appears like a twinkle uh, in the sky, especially you can see it uh, in the night. But when literature says, or Sukadeva Goswami is indicating to us, that each star is not a sun by itself, it's like a moon, and there's only one sun. And this sun is radiating its heat and light, and therefore, like the moon, the stars are also 
reflecting that light only. But at the same time, Prabhupada said that not if you assume that these are the sons of other universes, if you think that each star is a sun and that belongs to another universe, it's not possible because uh, staying within the shell, you cannot see the other universe. We are locked up like in a uh, coconut. So within the coconut, uh, your universe is, or our universe is, and from within that coconut, you can't see the other coconuts unless you come out of the coconut. So therefore, this sun is located within the coconut because it is totally dark and this is the only way that coconut can be illuminated or the universe can be illuminated. And therefore, although universes are clustered together, we cannot see from one universe to another. In other words, whatever we see is within this one universe only. And each universe, there is one Lord Brahma, and there are other demigods, other planets, but there is only one sun. So this poses a big controversy. And how do we resolve this? Because I was always thinking, uh, how do we convey this message to our kids? Because Prabhupada has been heavy uh, in the uh, purport saying that whatever Western science is saying, it is outrightly rejected. Because Vedic science is presenting totally a different alternative, and this alternative is coming from not an ordinary personality, but a personality like Sukadev, who is a yogi. And because he is a yogi, his vision is totally different. All his predecessors from through whom he has received that knowledge are also yogis, so therefore, their vision is totally different. But at the same time, uh, the uh, telescopes we have, the powerful telescopes, now that they are not being located on Earth itself, but on a higher uh, level, and from there, uh, you are viewing the universe, and they present totally a different picture. Now, how do we resolve this? And unless we resolve this properly, we'll be in confusion. And when we see the scientists, I cannot say that they are the scientists because I am wearing a dual cap. I am a devotee while I am chanting, but at the same time I am also a scientist because I am working in the university, we are working in the factories, we are doing the same job as they are doing. So therefore I cannot say that they are scientists, I am devotees, therefore I accept this and therefore I reject that. If I am rejecting that, it means that I am rejecting a part of mine because I am wearing two caps, the sadhana cap and the scientist cap. And therefore, I do not want to say that they are the scientists, I am the spiritualist. I am also a scientist, I am also a spiritualist and therefore I should be able to resolve these two caps so that I'm convinced and I'm able to convince others when I see them because they are my colleagues in the office, other colleagues outside in the world and equally I can give a proper understanding and proper answer to my children who are, who are going to the same schools, same college. At least when I went to college I was ignorant of the Vedic science. 
but uh, we are all now part of the congregation and our children know much more than what we know because they are everyday week, they are reciting the prayers, Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavatam and they ask such wonderful questions. Sometimes we have to scratch our head to answer those questions. So how do we resolve this? So one way is that we should say the way science looks at the cosmos is not the only reality. That's not the only way one can see. There are other ways also seeing it. Just as within the science itself, if you look from the Newtonian point of view, you look at the world in one way, and then you look at the same world in the quantum physics, you look at it in a different perspective. These perspectives are too different. So equally, it's possible that the way science looks at it is, is also true, and the way the scripture is also looking at it is also true. It's not that uh, the pendulum is swinging on one extreme, and therefore we, uh, the scientist cap I'm putting on says, I reject the scripture, it's all mythology. And then I put on the scriptural cap and then say that whatever science is saying, uh, it's not true. So these are two extreme points. So therefore we need to resolve and say that whatever you are saying is also true on one plane. But what I'm also saying is also true on a different plane. So these two planes have need to be uh, resolved. And only then uh, we'll be able to accommodate uh, what uh, the science is saying and what the scriptures are saying. And this is true in many culture because we have scientists like Aryabhata and Bhaskaracharya who were scientists, who were great scientists. And they have, and they said they're all Brahmins and they have accepted Jyotish Shastra and they have accepted Puranas. So therefore it means that because we are scientists does not mean that uh, we cannot accept what the scriptures are saying. We can accept and uh, I don't know whether you are, if you are hearing the podcast of Chaitanya Charanda, she is bringing out wonderful series of Podcast uh, with uh, interacting with uh, both scientists, youngsters, Maharajas across the community. And I was trying to search and I found that there was one podcast in which Chaitanya Sarandas was talking to uh, Bhanu Swami Maharaj. And in that, Bhanu Swami Maharaj says that whatever Bhagavatam is describing can be both metamorphical and also metaphysical. Both are possible, which means that it could be both symbolic and it also could be real. Both metamorphical and uh, metaphysical. So therefore, the conflict has to be resolved and the only way we can resolve the con uh, conflict is to understand that the planes of observation are different and hence what the science presents is also true up to a particular point 
but then the uh, the the uh, the what science says is not remaining the same over a period of time. What is called the goalpost of the science is changing because uh, it is based on uh, anuman and uh, what is the praman called pratyeksha praman. So the pratyeksha praman and anuman itself is on a uh, dicey foundation and therefore the what they say today uh, is going to change tomorrow because that is our observation over the past 200 years. So we can apply that logic and say that what we are saying today once again also undergoes a change over the next 200 years. But what scriptures are saying that does not change. So therefore if I as a sadhaka or as a devotee can somehow see or uh, work along with the scientists who are purely from the gross material perspective and they can be uh, and convince uh, such scientists who are the frontiers of astronomy and uh, in that area that there is a science beyond the science you are seeing then with that understanding this problem can be resolved that yes what you are saying is true but you also should understand there is something beyond what the telescopes uh, can't show you and that is there in the scripture and hence try to understand what the scriptures are saying through that eye now observe the cosmos and you will get a different picture and this is how we should be able to convince our own children uh, otherwise they will be lost saying that uh, hey dad whatever schools are saying is one uh, way of saying and what you are telling or what in the Hare Krishna temple is saying uh, is totally different and therefore a point in time comes they stop coming to the temple itself. Youngsters, young, they listen to parents, they come here but when they come of that age and they see that what the others are doing there are doubts created and that doubts when they linger uh, they say we have overgrown okay as kids we have come but now we don't have to come and hence we should be able to resolve this in a convincing way that this is the layer or this is that one level you are observing but there is another level also you can observe the same uh, cosmos and therefore these two present uh, two different aspects of the same reality. Am I making sense to everyone? Yes, sir. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, okay. So now we move on to the next verse. That the chariot of the sun god, which is Trayimaya, or worshipped by the words Om Bhurbhoswa, travels through the four residences mentioned above at a speed of uh, yeah, 27 uh, million miles uh, in a Muhurta, 48 minutes. So therefore it's saying that uh, Trayimaya, which is worshipped Gayatri Mantra, Om Bhurbhoswaha. So what is this Bhurbhoswaha? Uh, which is spoken uh, and Trayimaya. Anyone has an answer? 
ты с твоим So if we take a step backward, we know that it's Lord Krishna, he plays his flute, and then when he plays the flute, uh, the omkara, the om, uh, is what is coming out of the flute, and that initiates a Lord Brahma. And it is said that when that om expands into what is called Vyahavadis, I didn't know what Vyahavadis is, but the Vyahavadis means Bhu Bhuvaswa. That's what uh, it says. Any, any meaning of Vyahavadis? Okay. So that whole expansion of Vyahavadis or Bhu Bhuvaswaha. And this Bhu Bhuvaswaha includes all the planetary systems, the earth and the lower planetary system, the region of sky and the upper planetary system. All the Vyantis represents the entire planetary self-planetary system because this is shown as a uh, as a condensed form but otherwise it expands to Bhur, Bhuva, Swa, Maha, Jana, Tapa and Satya Loka. And each one that Bhu represents the earth physical plane, Bhuvaha represents the sky astral plane, Swa represents the heaven mental plane, Mahajana represents still higher planes, and Tapa represents the area where uh, even higher than uh, Maha. And it's also said that the Vyarutis can represent Sapta Rishis. And the Vyarutis also uh, represent what they call indicate the totality of all levels of existence in the universe. So what it's trying to say is that the OM expands to via uh, what is the term Vyaharutis and that Vyaharutis means Bhuvaswa and that Bhuvaswa otherwise implies they all the planetary systems, seven planetary systems, and then the these planetary systems are controlled by the sun god. And to that sun god, uh, by the Brahma Gayatri, we are worshipping. So now traditionally, the Brahma Gayatri was given uh, to those who are born as. Brahmanas. So that's how <coughs> I received my uh, so-called Gayatri when I was the age of I think some eight or nine years. It was uh, seminal discipline succession. <coughs> Our family had a tradition of uh, uh, gurus and therefore the contemporary at that, at that time he gave me another Gayatri and I was thrilled at that time because first time my head was shaved and I had that uh, pilaka at the end and the Gayatri was given so I used to go and show everyone this is my Gayatri <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, oh you also got Gayatri for some time uh, or I don't know how long, but for some time I did uh, Gayatri, uh, but then later on went into background. 
and after that uh, I did do Gayatri for a very, very long time. Uh, but then later on, I picked it up, uh, I think about 15 years back, when Abhishek got his Gayatri uh, from, he, he was also enthusiastic, Daddy, I want to be, get Gayatri, please arrange for it, I want to have Gayatri. And fortunately at that time, Chinatiya Swamiji from Sri Sambhubad, he was in Melbourne and when we approached him, he kindly uh, gave Gayatri to Abhishek. But he received Gayatri like me or he also did chanting for some time and then after that he went into Bhaiklam. So now he is waiting for uh, maybe Diksha from uh, his Gurudev uh, when he would like to get the Gayatri. So, uh, in Vedic culture, it was given by, by birth, that uh, Gayatri. It was, so therefore, uh, if you are born in a Brahmana family, you are given a Gayatri. But if you are not born in a Brahmana family, what is the alternative? Because it is said that by, uh, with the help of Gayatri, you are able to elevate your consciousness to the spiritual platform. And here, only one small section of the society is eligible for receiving a Gayatri and others are not eligible. And we have the mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who changed the entire, uh, you can say, the ball game of Vedic culture and said that uh, Gayatri can be received by anyone. Uh, no matter you are born in a Brahmana family or you are not born in a Brahmana family. That doesn't matter. So long you have a desire or you have an inclination, uh, then you can receive uh, Gayatri. So therefore we have uh, three types of Brahmanas. One uh, is called a Dvija, who is initiated with Brahma Gayatri, but doesn't have Vedic knowledge like me. When I was initiated at that time, I didn't have any Vedic knowledge. My father said he was getting, uh, my elder brother got delayed uh, Dvija, so uh, he was to get married. And before that they said, no, how can you get married without having the threat? So therefore, uh, he, he said, let's have for him. Uh, first, uh, the guy, the other thread. So he said, okay, along with him, why not you also get this? <laughs> so that's how I got So that is the Gayatri we receive, Brahma Gayatri, but without Vedic knowledge. But the second type of uh, Brahmana is a Vipra who is initiated into Brahma Gayatri but have some Vedic knowledge. And the third type of Brahmana is a Vaishnava. And Vaishnava is Nisha Brahma Gayatri who has realized the purport of Vedic scripture or the Shastra. And this does not require, and so this person is inclined to serve Lord Krishna or Lord Vishnu. And this is a special mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who says that uh, one need not be born in, in a Brahmin family. Anyone who has a desire to worship Lord Krishna, Lord Vishnu, uh, can be given uh, this Brahma Gayatri. So by, by deciding, so it is said that 
by chanting Hare Krishna mantra, one becomes purified and rises to Pancharatrika uh, standard by chanting Hare Krishna mantra. And when you rise to Pancharatrika standard, uh, then he is given the Gayatri when uh, he becomes a Brahmana. And therefore, uh, that is a time when he becomes eligible to come onto the altar and then do uh, direct worship. So that is a time when uh, the Gaudiya Vaishnavas or in our Sampadaya, we are given the five sacraments or the uh, Panchasanskaras. Tapa, Pundra, Nama, Mantra and Yama. I hope all of you know this. Yes, Prabhu. Tapa, Pundra, Nama, Mantra and Yaga. Yaga is worship of Sri Murthy or Shalindra. So that is called Yaga. So worshiping the Lord by employing mental and physical faculties of seeing, touching, smelling. I think when you do uh, Shaligram Puja or devotees who are doing Lakshira Prabhupada, Gaurnita, Chota Gaurnita, they also do this worship, uh, Yadha. Tapa is, we don't do it, but uh, writing the name on the body with uh, sandalwood paste. Does anyone do here? Yes. You do, Prabhu? Sandalwood? For the Lord? No, no, for ourselves, not for the Lord. For us? No, go with Yeah, we don't do that, but he said that uh, writing name on the body is sandalwood paste that cleans the heart. But otherwise, repentance for uh, genuine, uh, whatever mistake you have committed, you repent for it, so that is also called tapa. Then pundra is decorating the body with the tilak. Then nama is receiving diksha, mantra is receiving the gopal mantra. So these are the five uh, sacraments uh, that we receive. Uh, and therefore we are called a Vaishnava. So therefore we should understand that a Vaishnava is also a Brahmana. He may not, he is over Dvija, over Vipra. Uh, so therefore sometimes we tend to say that a Vaishnava is better than or superior to a Dvija or a Brahmana. Shall we continue? Now when we are chanting, it is said that the mantras which are uh, mantra are of a couple of types that it could be a Vedic mantra, it could be a Tantric mantra or it could be a Puranic mantra and each of these mantra once again can be expressed in terms of uh, Satogun, uh, Rajogun and uh, Tamogun. So the Satvik Mantra uh, will help us in understanding the Lord and it destroys any uh, previous karma. Whereas the uh, Rajasik is typically used for material uh, benefit. Where Tantric uh, is to cause harm to others. And this is done by so many people. I can, we can recall, or I can recall back when Andhra Pradesh, before it was divided, it was ruled by the then 
Chief Minister Indian Amarao. I think those of you are from south of India, they know India. He played uh, almost the role of Krishna in every movie uh, coming from Andhra. But such a person, uh, when he became Chief Minister, somehow he thought that his post is being uh, pulled away from him and therefore he performed tantric rites. And one of the tantric rites it was said that he constructed uh, his cottage on the outskirts of Hyderabad, uh, a huge garden area, where from the government hospital, every day a dead body would go to the, his place. And he would sit on the body, on the dead body, and perform certain tantric rites. And this used to be uh, those days, the talk of the day uh, in those days, every newspaper they would carry that this is what is happening. So it is first, he, so what was he trying to do? He was trying to protect his seat, but at the same time cause harm to the others so that uh, he is protected. So this is the, uh, this is the mantra uh, done, and these mantras they have original spiritual letters and when these letters are combined in a particular sequence they form a word and when that words are picked up in a particular sequence it becomes a mantra. So you have the original empowered letters, the letters are placed in a particular sequence it becomes a word and that word are put in a particular sequence, it becomes a mantra and when you recite that mantra properly, uh, then you are invoking the deity concern. So you have 33 million devatas, so for each devata you have a particular mantra and when you receive that mantra from in a bona fide way and recite it properly, then uh, the devata may appear in front of you physically or he, will, he or she will appear in the mind and satisfy your womb. So that's the reason why these mantras were recited. But when it comes to uh, Iskama, Gaudiya Sampradaya, we chant the mantras, but we chant the mantra to develop love of God. Or, uh, so, and this Hare Krishna mantra, uh, it is said that yes, it is very powerful, but equally it becomes more powerful if you receive from uh, a bona fide spiritual master. So therefore, the uh, importance of Diksha, it could be from a Diksha Guru or it could be even a Siksha Guru, senior Vaishnava but you should receive the mantra from the lotus mouth of an exalted devotee who is carrying Krishna Prema in his heart and from them if you receive and chant the mantra uh, then you realize the full potency of the mantra. Otherwise taking out a book and then trying to read and then recite the mantra it does give some benefit but it's not going to give the uh, complete uh, benefit. So that's the context in which uh, it is being said about the Om Bhur Bhuvas Swapa. So summarizing today's session, we find that uh, 
the science gives one perspective the scripture gives another perspective and apparently they appear to be contradictory but they are two different levels of vision and these levels of vision can be resolved if uh, truly uh, a devotee becomes a scientist rather than uh, scientist in a standalone environment uh, is cannot understand what the scriptures are saying so therefore either the devotee cap is able to uh, convince the scientist cap or the devotee himself becomes a scientist in the sense that he enters into astronomy and studies through the telescope and then resolves these two aspects uh, so that uh, the conflict is eliminated and hand in hand uh, they can give the complete picture of the cosmos rather than fragmented picture as presented by the science. Then we said that the uh, Trayimaya or worship of uh, the sun god because he represents the uh, Trivedas, therefore it's called Trayimaya and worship by Om Bhurgoswa which means that he represents the, all the 14 planetary systems and in the 14 planetary systems uh, controller is the sun god. Sun god is an expansion of uh, Surya Narayan. So therefore, actually you are worshipping Surya Narayan or Lord Krishna. And therefore, when you do that, you come to the spiritual platform. But traditionally, in a Vedic culture, uh, this Brahma uh, Gayatri was given only to uh, persons born in a Brahmin family. So therefore, mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, uh, we find that anyone who is interested in uh, worshipping Lord Krishna or Lord Vishnu uh, can be given uh, Brahma Gayatri and therefore uh, it is given in our tradition. Provided the person raises his consciousness through uh, chanting of uh, Hare Krishna Mahamantra a point in life will come when Guru sees that, well, here is a sincere soul. He wants to serve further Lord Krishna in the deity form on the altar and therefore the Brahman grace. Yeah, with that I think uh, quarter to nine. I'll stop at this. If any question or any comment, we take it.
Here it is shown as 3 and that expands into 7. That's what they are saying. Yeah, so that 7 is Guru, Guru, Swara, Maha, Chana, Tapa, Brahma. Yeah. Seven. Thank you, Guru. Anything else?
Isn't it? You want to pass it? The point you mentioned about how Gayatri is given only to Vedic. Yeah. From that point of view, I feel God Shiva is more accessible to the common man. Even to the man in the crematorium, God Shiva is accessible. Uh, as you mentioned, expanding on that, he is elevating consciousness. In that sense, I feel he is the controller by elevating them. And I think even to the Prachedas, he goes himself and then gives the biggest mantras and asks them to. That Vaishnava aspect, probably that aspect of. With the motive of elevating people voluntarily without even them coming and approaching him and making himself accessible at all the levels, at the same time maintaining security, although external interests differently. In that sense, I feel not sure the controller. He can control living areas of all the levels of consciousness and bring them up. Especially the persons who are more of ignorance because it's, uh, Lord Shiva tries to bring. And we, see, um, there, when I speak to my brother, uh, he follows strictly uh, the Shankara's philosophy because uh, we are born in the. Uh, I'm, I'm coming from uh, Shankara uh, background. And therefore, when I said recently they were all in a very opulent way worshipping Lord Ganesha, I said, why do you worship Lord? How do you worship? With what, what is your consciousness when you worship? He said, Lord Ganesha receives his power to remove the obstacles uh, from Lord Shiva and therefore we are worshipping. I said, where is it written that it is received from Lord Shiva because we hear from Lord Krishna or Govinda? He says, no, he receives from Lord Shiva and therefore is removes obstacles. So you find somewhere, somewhere something is mentioned uh, and then uh, people take it. So these last 10 days, my entire family, uh, my cousins, first cousins, second cousins, you name them, uh, about 100 of them, uh, they all Every day they would post uh, pictures how well they are worshipped Lord Ganesha. So, uh, so what it means is that we our Prabhupada said, give them a Gulab Dharma and say Hare Krishna to the Dharma. They get all the messages from WhatsApp. Yeah, WhatsApp. They get WhatsApp. So I send them Darshan pictures every day, so they say that thank you for sending the pictures. I will respond to them. Anything else? Hmm? Gandharashna Bhagavatam Ki Jai Shiva Bhagavatam Ki Jai.